Welcome back, everyone. Hello. Hello. On behalf of our entire flight crew, thanks for soaring with us. Oh, what a very mystable beginning. Sorry, it's just... It sounds magic, doesn't it? Yeah. Welcome to Disney Brit Bite Size. Thank you for joining us. By the magic of internet, we have Alan. Hello, everyone. I am giving a message from the future. He, he is bringing a message from the future because at this moment in time, he is in Walt Disney World. But you can hear him. And um, if I look out my window now, it is lightning storms and lashing down with rain. The truth is, Alan sat in his uh, studio and his wife's having his nails painted. No, we her are. nails, not my nails. It is a pre-record. Uh, we have recorded this for Alan Goes Away. But uh, no, it, it's like fine with when we do the, the Bright Side show because uh, we are talking about a specific project that isn't kind of time-sensitive, so to speak. And um, we are able to predict the future, it turns out. But we didn't realise we were able to predict the future because what we're trying to do with the Bright Side episodes is one of the sketches that we might use in the Disney Brit show, the main show, um, we then use as a basis for a discussion or topic or something like that in the Bright Side show. Um, and we came up with, or well, I say we, I can't take the credit, Alan came up with a sketch. Um, and it fits perfectly with something that has kind of happened recently. So do you want to explain, Alan, a little bit about where we're going with this? Or do you want me to play the sketch first, and then uh, we'll talk about where we're going? Well, yeah, play the sketch first, and I'll explain why we created the sketch, and then obviously how it links in. Okay, here is the sketch. the safety of Americans as a result of the president's decision to release five top Taliban commanders in exchange for one American soldier who may face desertion charges. of the deadly Ebola virus in Guinea has already killed dozens and that toll could rise. It demonstrates the potential to strike across the African continent. of mass destruction, nuclear, biological and chemical have plagued the human race since their invention and they still pose a threat today. Terror attacks and accidents have spread panic in several countries over recent decades. But there are signs that increased vigilance and cooperation can help create a safer world. Want to keep 
keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com, your number one source for the magical world of Disney. Right, there we go. So that it was the uh, sketch that we came up with. And do you want to kind of explain the whole idea behind it, Alan? Right, okay, well, bear in mind that this is before, um, but this is back in March that we, um, we released this. Um, and I was, I was playing with different concepts. And one of my concepts was the fact that, you know, we're going, it's a small world and it's a, a nice light attraction. And obviously it's, it's talking about how the world is sort of, I don't know, every, everyone is the same, but the, you know, there's buzzy cultures everywhere. And in reality, we're all the same sort of, I don't know, race. We should be one big, huge community, yeah. but in reality, we're not. But then it doesn't talk about the, we're not part of it. And I thought, well, you know, if, if we actually look at it's a small world, but then the fact that you've got epidemics of disease sort of flooding across the world, you've got disasters, you've got all sorts of things that are not even touched upon in it's a small world because obviously it's a it's a happy ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, you know, it's maybe we should try and look into that. And then there was Tomorrowland. The film, of course. The film. And we're, we're going to talk as much as we can about Tomorrowland, obviously, today's episode. And we, we will warn that there's going to be plenty of spoilers in yeah. here. So if you've yeah. not seen the film yet, this is now the point to cut off because we are going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the idea behind it. We're going to talk about our opinion of it. And if you don't want it to be spoiled um, until you've seen it, then this is the time to switch off and then switch back on again once you've seen the movie. Yeah, totally. Um, and the, the concept of obviously that you've got all these happy children dancing around and there's, there's no arguments, there's no battles or anything like that. Now, we I went to see Tomorrowland this weekend. Adam did as well. Mm-hmm. And... It hits an interesting point, which I find later on in the film. Well, I think we need to sort of go from the beginning, don't we? And and one of the things I found at the very beginning of the movie was like, okay, we've got this whole introduction section of George Clooney, uh, George Clooney's character, um, trying to explain what's happened, trying to explain the future. And you're like, what? what is this all about? What is going on? Why are they there? What are they trying to introduce? Who are they trying to speak to? Um, and it sets up this very interesting idea from the very, very beginning. Yeah. Um, and I found at the beginning of the film, I was a little bit confused as to about where this was going. You know, how are we where they are? It was all very cryptic. Um, I wasn't quite sure what to sort of make of it and, and who these people were and where they kind of came from. Um, and it kind of creates this very interesting opening. So you. George Clooney plays a character called Frank Walker, who we don't really know much about other than he's older. And then he's got another girl with him who we don't know who she is at this moment in time. Her, her name is Casey Newton. Um, and can you remember there was a game that we were playing online called The Optimist? Yes, I do remember The Optimist, yeah. Now, I'll be honest that the concept behind the games is totally lost on me at the moment. I can't remember the exact names of characters. I no. can't remember if Casey was part of that. No, I don't believe Casey's name was ever mentioned as part of the Optimist game. But it was a whole point that she is an optimist and the person yep. who created it was was an optimist as well. Yeah. Um, and I would have liked the game to have played more of an important part into this into, into the, the film. film. Yeah. But um, I don't think it did as much as how I would have liked it to be. No, I think you're right. But one of the, the 
the kind of things I like about this from a Disney fan's perspective is the fact that Disney released these very vague information about the film at D23. And they created this whole persona online, they had a Twitter account, they released little details and information and that sort of stuff about this Optimus character. Um, but they kind of teased interested in for us to try and figure it out, but they never quite teased enough to tell us what the story was or what was going to happen. And it's one of the first times in a while that I've been to see a film where I've genuinely kind of got no sort of idea as to what really is going to happen in it. it I think they've kept it, the secret of what happens in this film really well um, without giving away far too much of um, what was sort of going to happen. Yeah. Even at the even the sort of the first, we'll say, 15 minutes of the film, it was so confusing. Yeah. Um, you've got Frank talking, talking to the camera about a story. And every every three words that he says is repeated in sort of the opposite way around by Casey. Yeah. She's going, he's saying, okay, that the future is all negative. And she's going, well, cheer it up a bit. Yeah. And it was, it was you know where it was going. I, I, the original narration was going to be a bit like in sort of Tangled. Where that it's going to keep coming in and out. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just, it just didn't seem to flow at the beginning. But I had heard that it was a slow burn. Yeah, well, I must admit, for the first sort of thirty or so minutes, I sat there thinking, "Right, I'm, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. You know, yep. What's happening? I'm not, not entirely sure." Uh, just to go through those characters, you know, talking about, we weren't quite sure who they were. The, the kind of key figures within it of the the Optimus game were uh, Amelia, Carlos Moreau, Amelia's mum Tanya, Michael T, Wallace, and Vivian. Right, so actually, okay. the characters don't really exist. In the film that existed within the particular game. Yeah, it, see, it would have been nice if if Amelia was Casey. Yeah. And Frank was Wallace. Yeah. Well, I wonder whether that might be part of the the point of what is going on within it. Maybe. Uh, we look at. I'm just kind of going through all the information that there was there. There was the wed letter. Um. Enclosed your tickets for your flight on May the first with a return flight on the twenty third. Um. But again, very little information on that particular letter. Some photos were given out. There was some very interesting um, images that were released. So the, there was photos of It's a Small World that were released as part of this. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of It's a Small World photos. And of course, the and the photos that were released from It's a Small World were all um, World's Fair, It's a Small World. Yeah. So that kind of does link in with it. Um, um, how it's supposed to piece together. Just... Um... I think also it talked about the um, the secret club. Yes. Um, in the Optimus game, which was which just fit. Is it Ultra Plus? Is that what it was, or or Plus Ultra? Something along those lines, yeah. Plus Ultra, I think. But it's interesting. The sets of photos they've got do link to everything World's Fair related. Yeah. Um, which I'm not surprised. Um, it does. Um, yeah, it talks about. Follow, a, follow up with Lot about special work on It's a Small World and then there's a phone number and it turns out that the special work on It's a Small World was clearly the entrance to uh, this alternative world, this alternative place. Yeah, i.e. the, the best log flume in the world. Yeah, this random log flume that nobody expected. So anyway, we've, we've gone from the, the narration part at the beginning yeah. to it goes into the World's Fair. Yes. Um, and Frank... Who we, we don't find out until later is the young boy. Yes. Um, and he's a little inventor, 
and he's, he's created a jetpack. And it seems to be that he's going to the equivalent of the Dragon's Den. Yeah. It's fair. Yeah. Um, if inventors and people who have sort of created stuff are going to display their wares, and um, Frank's got his little jetpack, which which he has a brilliant moment. Which it, yeah, it, it says it kind of works, but it doesn't work. Um, t- totally took me surprised by the scene that follows there. Um, but he's the whole point of the the World's Fair or this um, exhibition is to, to find the inventors and the creative minds and people who are actually looking to to better their surroundings. Yes. And there's obviously the little girl in there who is the one who's trying to find out who she can give pins to. These are special people who can help to develop this world further. Yep. Her name's now, Athena, by the way. Yeah, Athena. Um, I, I, I felt that young Frank and Athena were some of the best characters in the film. Hmm. Um, I, I didn't actually take too well to when George Clooney took over from Young Frank. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's very difficult to look at George Clooney in that role, isn't it? And and really kind of warm to him with the roles he's done in the past. You know, I'm not saying he's not a good actor. He's done things like um, Gravity and those sort of things, which are a fantastic movie. Yeah. No, no don't get us wrong. He's done very well for himself. But I just felt that the kids, the child actors, were were better than the the adult actors. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe that sort of was part of the the magic of that film. The film was was about optimism and and a bit about dreaming in a way. Um, and um, obviously they go off to Tomorrowland, and Tomorrowland is an alternate world for the the future. It's it's basically what we think of the future back in 1964. Hmm. Um, all sort of space buggies. It's it's a bit like um, oh. I, it's like it's sort of like the Jetsons in a way. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah, that kind of nineteen sixties vision of what the future should look like. It's very yeah. Jetsons like. Yeah, definitely. Um, but as, as the film sort of develops, that the future's got a bit of a dark side. Yes. And um, they've, they've created some, created some fantastic technology in this in the future. And one of the things that they can work out is how to. It's basically it's like a Sky Plus of the world. Mm. You can um, fast forward time and see into the future, yeah. and, and re- rewind time and see in the past. And the well, what, what, what sort of character would you say that um, Hugh Laurie was? He was kind of a, uh, I think initially a good guy. He was a bit of a pioneer. He was again a bit like a, he was an optimist, I suppose. This idea of creating this alternative world where there was no famine, there was no issues with things, anything like that. Um, but he then realised that rather than opening this world up to society, he realised that basically the human race were destroying Earth. And he didn't want them to destroy this perfect futuristic world that he built. So he kind of closed it down. So he was kind of a selfish villain, I suppose. He wasn't villainous in the sense that, you know, somebody's done something to him, therefore he's turned villainous, something like Darth Vader or something like that. But it's more of a case of that he's seen what destruction human race has brought to earth and doesn't want that to happen to him. Yeah. Now, um, while you were talking, I was just going through some more elements of the Optimist game that came up. And there is actually one really interesting element that uh, does now tie in very, very well with the movie. Um, Some people were led on a bit of a treasure hunt through 
Disneyland. And one of the things they were done is taken to Club 33. And when they arrived in Club 33, there was a display case inside Club 33. And it had initials of very famous historical figures. In there were the following. Nicholas Tesla, Thomas Edison, Samuel Clemens, Walter Eliza Disney, H.G. Wells, August Eiffel, Jules Verne, and Amelia Earhart. So this obviously links to some of the people who were the originators of Tomorrowland who created that spaceship in the middle of the Eiffel Tower. So you had Tesla there, Edison was there, Wells was there, Eiffel was there. Was Verne there? I can't remember off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah, I think he was. Um, so that's quite an interesting link back to those particular people. Um, yeah, and I, I think when we, when we were playing The Optimist, I think we were aware that it was, because there, there was lots of things, there was Edison Square was talked about in yes. uh, Disneyland. And there was a lot about, I, think, I can't remember if there's a little game to play online or not. There was something similar to that, yeah, if I remember rightly. Um, but it was all about the, the world's greatest thinkers. Yeah. And I, I knew that prior to seeing Tomorrowland, but I don't think Tomorrowland played enough on that aspect. For example, Walt Disney being one of the people that's been mentioned in the game. Yeah. And sort of being sort of bigged up as one of the sort of great optimists. Mm -hmm. But then in the film, it's not really talked about. No, and I think the whole build-up to it was excellent, that, that whole Optimist game. But you're right, it's it's that kind of idea that I don't think they necessarily then carried through a lot of what they did in the game and things like that into the movie. Yeah, um, I think it's a really clever idea and it works really well, but it doesn't quite fit through into everything that we would have expected necessarily. Yeah. Um, well I was going to say, assume that we never played the game and we knew nothing about the build-up to yeah. it. Um, how how did you you feel that the the story sort of flowed in the we'll say the first half of the film up up until they sort of go back into Tomorrowland? Well, I think the the film um, was very much like the game in the sense that it, for the first half of the movie, you were kind of guessing a lot about what this was and who this was and what was happening, and didn't really have any concrete information as to what you expect to find in the next bit and all this sort of stuff and I think uh, to start off with I was fine for most of the film but I did get to a point where I start to think do you know what I'm not sure what's happening now I'm starting to get a bit concerned that this isn't going anywhere and then all of a sudden it kind of kicks into gear and all of these things start to happen that we kind of didn't expect um, so I was a little bit uneasy initially um, and then suddenly when the story started to kick in one of the things it did was started to make me realise kind of how this fits in with with Disneyland and with Walt's vision and all that sort of stuff and, and this idea of a better world. Yeah. Um, so once I kind of worked that out, I was quite happy, but it took me a little while. Yeah, I, I think I've got to agree that it, it, it was the, f the film... I'm, I'm, I'm dividing the film in two halves, so I'm saying the first half. Yeah. It was very roller coaster. It was sort of, I've got no idea what's happening... Then I go into an area where there's like fantastic visuals and you can see something that's quite amazing. And then all of a sudden it goes back into an area where it's like, well, what happened there? And then you go back into a story where it's like, oh, well, yeah, I can see what's happening here. And then you get lost again. Yeah. It was, it was very much like that. And as I was sitting there watching it, I went, went with Catherine and uh, I was thinking in my head, Catherine's going to go, what on earth have you brought me to here? Yeah. You know, she'd have preferred to stay in and watch Britain's Got Talent or something. <laughs> um, and... I'll, I'll be honest, at the end of the film, she did say that. You know, she, she didn't get the film. And I I think I got into it eventually, but 
the first half of the film was so random. Mm. I think it was because it was in in lots of short bits going to the going to Tomorrowland, going back to the real world, yeah, going and visiting lots of different characters and coming jumping all over the place. Um, however, when it got to about halfway, which was when the um, the security people started to break into um, Frank's house um, to sort of capture the girl. I think that's what they were after. Yeah. Um, which was the wrong girl that they were looking for, I think. Um, and he climbs into a bathtub. And that, to me, it was like, that's when the adventure starts. Yeah, it is. It's the point that she meets Frank, where the whole thing then kicks off. You've got the little bit in the comic book store beforehand, um, which is where we start to realise that something's up. But it's, yeah. it is really when she meets Frank that we start to get that sense of of there being something exciting about to happen. Yeah, it's, it's almost like... You know, you've you've gone through the maps and you've read all the the information and you're trying to work out what is the treasure hunt, yeah. And then they've now solved it and they're starting to actually make the progress, and um, it actually started to to me started to get quite exciting. Yeah. The fact that the the adventure had started, and because it started to ref, reflect into real life, as in, um, the talk, talking about Tesla or the going to the Eiffel Tower, etc., and the it, it, to me, it felt as though it could have been real. You know, yeah. why why shouldn't it be real? Why can't the Eiffel Tower split down the middle and the rocket come out the bottom? Yeah, you know, it it could it could be there. In theory, that could happen. Yeah, there's no reason why that that doesn't necessarily happen. I it's, think. Uh, have you read any of the reviews of of film critics and things like that? I've I haven't read a lot because I'm I'm very open minded when I go to see a film. Yeah. And generally, for example, I, I love um, what's it called National Treasure films. Yeah. And you talk to other people and they go, what load of rubbish they are. Well, I didn't read any of the reviews until I'd been to see the film. And then I came out and I sat and read them. And what's really interesting is that everybody has kind of panned this film. There's a lot of reviews that have said, not a fan, don't like it. Yeah. Um, and the reason I don't like it is it's boring. It's, you know, it's so slow. I don't get the point. You know, it's all a bit far-fetched. Um, there's a great title from one review which said something like um watching tomorrowland is like so like watching tomorrowland is like watching itself eat its own jetpack great um and if we look at reviews and things like that it's got 50 percent on rotten tomato um so it's a bit yes and no and i think the reason why that's right tomorrowland is like watching a jetpack eat itself that's what it is um, the the problem with it is, I think people have gone to see this film and they don't necessarily understand it. Yeah. And I think we've got the benefit of having seen the Optimist stuff and understanding Disney history, and I think that makes a massive, massive difference because we understand where this film's coming from, um, and we understand, um kind of how it fits in with Walt's vision. I'll just finish off with this, the the uh, well, that article about the jetpack eating itself. It ends with a very interesting uh, article which says uh, Tomorrowland is a mere shadow of the future we wanted to see. It could have been a film about a futuristic, uh, fantastic futuristic world come to life. Instead it was a two hour lecture about our lack of optimism only hinting briefly at the fun and exciting we're supposed to dream of. Mm. Whereas actually I took a completely different point from it which was this is Brad Bird kind of showing us what Epcot could have been like. 
yeah you know walt's vision of this community where everyone lives together and works together where you know you live and you work within this particular place and there's certain rules and regulations you follow in order to to have a happy community and it's kind of taken that kind of walt disney's optimistic approach and then yeah. giving it this tomorrowland idea and then this sudden feeling of Walt saying, this is the community I want to create. This is the centre. This is the experimental prototype community of tomorrow. And I want to do it because outside of this, this is what everybody else is doing. And I think this is a better way of living. Um, and if you look at it from that point of view, then actually it's a very clever film. And people were saying, Brad Bird has destroyed this movie. You know, he never makes a bad film and this is awful. What is he doing? But actually I think this is... In a strange kind of way, Brad Bird's love letter to Walt Disney. Yeah, I, I think I think one of the the major flaws that we've or, or Brad Bird overlooked was the fact that he's called it Tomorrowland. Yeah, because I think you've you've gone in thinking about Tomorrowland as in the Magic Kingdom Tomorrowland. Or people have. Yeah, I think you're probably but, right. That's part of it. Whereas if they call it something slightly more cryptic, for example, Progress City or something like that. Yeah. It would have had the same sort of concept of the title, but people wouldn't have necessarily gone in thinking, oh yeah, it's about Disney theme parks. I think you'd, you'd have come in with a bit more of an open mind about what this, the topic is. And I'll ad admit that my, my view on going to see it was mainly because I'm a Disney obsessive. Yeah, and I was really excited to see it because it had that Disney link to it. The fact that the opening of the film, or near the opening of the film, we're at the World's Fair and we're in It's a Small World, and this is blatantly going, hello, this is a Disney movie, which yeah. I found really exciting, you know. And there's me in the cinema going, look, I can see Space Mountain, I can see Space Mountain, I can see Space Mountain, things like that. And so it's like, shut up. <laughs> People don't care. And all the way through it, I'm kind of thinking of references to do with Disney and Disney World and all those sort of things yeah. um, as I'm watching it because I understand that and you know and, and Brad Bird has been a little bit selfish in there you know he has put he has put visual clues to nearly every film that he's made within it you do see yeah. elements of the Iron Giant you see the Incredibles you know all those sort of things exist within the film I don't think there's a problem with that yeah did, did you see the uh, Mr. Incredible fall down yes and the, and the free yeah, shield yeah, yeah yeah and did you also spot um Donald Duck in that toy store. I did. I did see Donald Duck, and there's, there was a point where there was an iron, the Iron Giant stuff was on top of a television to the to the side of the um, counter as well. So he'd thrown a load of stuff into that that was blatantly yeah. his stuff. But again, that that's more appealing to us because we're Disney obsessives. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that we took from it that maybe a lot of people didn't. Yeah. Um. I. I, th I think I, I left the film with an element of optimism, though. I've yeah, that. yeah, I did, um, and you, you did right. You know, I, I kind of left the film thinking, clever movie, enjoyed it. You know, you, you did come out thinking, actually, you know, the film's got a point. Yeah, the film has got a point that we are destroying the earth. It's not a lie, uh, but equally, you know, Wally did the same thing, but nobody came out of Wally going, oh, they've just done a whole film about global warming and about how we're destroying the planet they've gone oh isn't it lovely they have a love story between two robots and i think yeah. because this doesn't have that cute cuddly element to it people have come out going oh that was a bit preachy wasn't it yeah whereas i think you know i i loved it i think it was a great film um i think it's just sadly very very misunderstood by a lot of people and i, I think that will ultimately mean it won't become 
a well-known classic film like like some of the others have become. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's going to be the um, the dinosaur? I I, I kind of, yeah, in a way, but I think for not because it's not good enough. I think it will become the dinosaur because it's just wholly misunderstood by a huge amount of people. Yeah. I like, I'm, I like to create things, okay? Yeah. And one of the things that I was trying to create and, you know, any scientist that are listening to this is going to go, what a load of rubbish Alan's talking about. I actually tried to create a perpetual motion machine. Right. Okay, a machine that ran off its own power and ran forever. And my concept behind it was to create something that was actually generate some sort of electricity. I.e., I could create a motor that would yeah. generate electric for life. Okay. Right? And I, I did loads of experiments and um, created something. And everyone I talked to said, well, it defies the laws of physics. It's not going to work. But I always had the approach of, but it might. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, Casey in this film, she was in, in school and they're talking about global warming and the world's dying and there's all this destruction and stuff like that. And she says, well, what can we do to fix it? And to a certain extent, that's my approach on life. You know, can we try something different? What can we try? Give it a go. What's the worst that could happen? It's, this is kind of a, a glass half full film that has been reviewed by glass half empty people. Yeah. That's the problem. And I think if more Disney people, like Disney fans, went to see it and reviewed it, it would be a different approach because we, we're going to, for example, I'm... Well, let's try and work this out time-wise. I went to Disney a few days ago. Um, I've enjoyed my ADRs. And I've booked my meals, what, six months in advance. Yeah. Now, I talk to someone who doesn't want to go to Disney World, and I say to them, oh, look, I've, I've booked my restaurant six months in advance. And they go, why, why on earth would you do yeah. that? Yeah. How do you know you want to eat pizza on the Tuesday of the 11th? And they go, I just do. You know, I've, I've, I've got my meals. I've got my rides booked now. I've got rides booked 60 days in advance. And they go, what right. if it's raining? Yeah, you know all the, all these things that are sort of like they're looking at the negatives when I'm seeing all the positives of all this stuff, and I think me going to Disney World is the equivalent of me going to Tomorrowland. You know, it is the utopia, it's the paradise, it's it's the safe bubble. Yeah. However, I can also see. Um, I think he was called Nix, was he Councillor Nix? Yes, Councillor Nix. Yeah. Um, Hugh Laurie. He then saw that you know all these people want to would want to come to this paradise that was this perfect world, but they would want to bring all the things that they've been enjoying, which is empty glasses, yeah, um, into his world, which would be more destruction and negativity, yeah, rather than positivity. Exactly, and that's where this optimist comes from. And I think that's one of the biggest links between the game and and the film. Yeah, this idea of this outward optimism. It's um, it's 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 sort of the. I suppose Nick's approach is this is similar to you know you're standing in the queue and you're waiting patiently, then someone pushes all the way past the front. Yeah, that's the person he's wanting to keep out. Yeah, yeah, that sort of idea. But because he can't filter them all out, he decides to stop everyone going in. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much it. It's pretty that's much how it works. Just shut the gates and it'll keep it nice. Yeah. Um. So I. I say, you know, if you're a big Disney fan, you know, you know your Disney history, you understand a little bit about what Walt wanted to do with his experimental prototype community tomorrow. Go and see the film. 
um, if you are still listening to it, you haven't seen it. Uh, with that kind of vision in mind, you know, that idea in mind that this is a film that is, like I think I say, is like almost Brad Bird's love letter to, to Walt Disney about what he wanted to create, about that idea of realisation of his vision, but in in film form. Uh, we've been intrigued to see what you, what you thought of it. We, we had a few people who did actually respond. I know, Alan, you put something out on... Um, on our Facebook, didn't you? Yeah. About the fact that we were going to be talking about Tomorrowland, and a few people did respond to that particular comment, uh, those particular comments. Um, so, uh, Peter Albanez said, I only enjoyed the small world ride part. Imagine that part of the ride was real. Uh, and then Vicky Wells said, um, Well, we thought it was superb. I love how not much had been said about the story beforehand, which meant you could really enjoy the film. I found it to be very subtle as well, which ensured the message wasn't twee. Uh, thought all the acting effects were also superb. I asked Ben afterwards if he picked up what the message uh, was in the story. He said it was all about how we can save the world and that you can do whatever you believe. Uh, no, and that you can do whatever you believe you can do as long as you try. So coming from a seven-year-old, I think he hit the nail on the head there. Love the hints for Disney fans too. I will very much look forward to it coming out on DVD to watch it again. It was definitely worth seeing on the big screen though. You got a better sense of the effects. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I went to see it on the IMAX. Yeah. And um, I really wanted to see it on the IMAX because yeah. I thought it was quite visually stunning, the whole Tomorrowland scenes at the end. Yeah. There was only about 15 people in the screening that I went to see it. Now, this seems to be a common thread. Uh, two or three people on Facebook I saw said they were in the 7 o'clock viewing yeah. and there were only two or three people in. The viewing I went to, there were four other people in the theatre when we saw it. Now... Is, is this down to the marketing aspect of the film? I think it's a bit of both, yeah. I think it's marketing, but also I think it's down to the fact that there were other bigger films that had come out that weekend as well. So I'm just going to quickly bring up the Audience website, um, which is the cinema I went to. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to quickly see what, what screenings are available of this, because the two weeks leading up to seeing the film, I was desperately looking to try and book me tickets, thinking, you know, I want to make sure I've got tickets to go and see this um, on, on the IMAX screen. And up until like three days before the showings, there was no screenings listed at all no. on, on any screen, not necessarily just the big screens. And then the day that I booked them, which was, I think, on the Friday for the um, Monday, yeah. I showed so on the Monday, um, there was no, I couldn't book it for the Tuesday. There was no additional dates. But now going on online now, it is it is on till the fourth of June. I can book. So they have now got bookings going on all the way so through. So they've now added it on, but but still, I, I thought that it was for a film that has been marketed and there's a lot of been advertised on the internet for yeah. it, like a lot of banners on websites. Yeah. That it's I've not had the option to book that far in advance, almost though it doesn't exist. No, and I think the other issue you've got as well is um, both Mad Max and Pitch Perfect came out the week before. And had yeah. rave reviews. Um, so if you were looking for a film and you were looking at reviews, then both Mad Max and Pitch Perfect had much better reviews than Tomorrowland did. And therefore you'd go, I'll go Tomorrowland. I didn't take Harry to see this one because I really wasn't sure whether or not it was going to be something that he would understand or get. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wish I'd taken him now. Um, I, we'd taken him to see Avengers. I thought he'd enjoy that. I just wasn't sure because I didn't know enough about it whether or not he'd enjoy the film. I think he would have done. But... Um, I'll probably take him to see it at some point. Yeah. Well, actually, you, you've hit upon something about the opening weekend, the, the weekend that it opened up. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the articles I've read about um, said that the main mistake that Disney have done with this film 
is they've made an original film. Apparently, the yeah. sort of the films that are sort of making it big are sequels and remakes. Yeah, it's true. Pitch and, Perfect Two and Mad Max. Yeah, sequels and remakes. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I, 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 you can totally applaud Disney for doing something totally different and trying to do an original story, but at the same time, they are doing their sequels on Star Wars and all this other stuff. Yeah. It's, it's just brave to do something so original, so different, so new. You know, yeah. and people are. Um, they've, they've talked about it being a bit of a flop, though, um, financially. Yeah, it probably is. It probably will be. But actually, you know, I think Disney can afford to make... This is almost kind of a, a, a passion project, isn't it? It's a film that, as a Disney company and as Brad Bird wanted to do, wanted to do it because he was passionate about the theme and it was about the fact that it came from the archives and all that sort of stuff. And Disney can afford, I think, every now and again to make a film that is made for the fans, so to speak, yeah. because of the amount of money things like Star Wars and the Avengers make. You know, I'm sure Disney will look at this and go, hey, look, this hasn't made the money that it could have made. It might break even. But it doesn't matter because the Avengers has more than covered it. Yeah, I think um, saying that it's it scored um, forty million dollars in the first weekend. Right. Um, it cost them, I think it was one hundred and eighty dollars. One hundred and eighty dollars. That's quite a cheap film. One hundred and eighty million dollars. Um, so you know, it's 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 getting towards you know over over the life of this year, it's going to make it its might money. Do well. yeah, it might do enough. And um, by the time people have bought the Blu-ray, just to try and spot all the little things in yeah the, yeah definitely in the uh, in Tomorrowland but um I think when you when you look at other films that sort of sort of take sort of 200 million dollars in a, in a weekend and stuff like that you know it's it's a totally different sort of film completely and it's a sort of film that isn't necessarily going to appeal to everybody and I think that's I don't think there's a problem with that I don't think that's an issue you know I just applaud Disney for creating something that was different was original was unusual and that would appeal to Disney fans and to non-Disney fans alike, so to speak. Actually, actually, I'm I'm gonna I'm just totally recall what I've just said there. Go on. I've just read, found an, an article, which has got the box office charts for this weekend. Yeah. So. Just for the US the, or the UK. The US box right. office charts for this yeah. weekend. So bear in mind that films are now released similar sort of times. Yeah. So there isn't a big over, overlap like there used to be. Um, so I'm going to see if you can name the top five films that have taken money this this weekend. weekend. Uh, right, okay. Well, I would say uh, Avengers is in there. Avengers Age of Ultron yep. is there. Mad Max will be there. Mad Max is there. Pitch Perfect 2. Yep. Poltergeist. Yep. And Tomorrowland. And Tomorrowland. Now, Tomorrowland, five? Tomorrowland took yeah. $40 million. Right. Pitch Perfect, thirty million. Although it's the second week that's been out, so yeah, yeah. I suppose. Mad Max, twenty-three million. Second week it's been out, yeah. Um, Poltergeist, twenty-three, and Age of Ultron, twenty million. Wow. So, although it's the biggest taken for this this weekend, it's the, the second week that a lot of the others have been out, other than yeah. Age of Ultron, that's not. Yeah. So it's it's people's choice for this weekend, but unfortunately. Well, you know, position nine, you've got um, Mole Cop 2 at um, oh, 7 million. Say no more. <laughs> um, right, well, there you go. That's kind of our little chat about uh, good old uh, Tomorrowland. We'd so be intrigued to see what some of you say about it, if you've seen it, if you've not seen it. When you do, do send us an email, radio at disneybrit.com, and uh, we can talk about it on the next show, which would be great. Right, is that everything? Yeah, I think that sums it up. Yeah, well, I enjoyed the film. 
I enjoyed the film as well. So uh, if you didn't enjoy the film, um, then that's fine. But uh, we did. So there you go. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. It's time for the outro. Right, so thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Alan, once again. No problem, anytime. And uh, I know you're already on your holiday if people are listening to this live, but have a wonderful time. Hang on a second. I've just got a Lapu Lapu to drink. Oh, I'll see you later. Just don't even try it. We'll all be working and be busy and be following you on Facebook as you put millions of things up and purposely send me photos because you think it'd be funny. Ka- Catherine said, should, should you check into every single thing just to wind people up? Yeah, that's what you're going to do, isn't it? Um, and uh, don't forget you can help touring plans out with our app as well you can put your times in that would be really helpful yeah um, yeah I'll love doing that but uh, do head over to disneybrit.com you can keep up with all the news that's going on over there of course uh, we do have the show every week so this week's is Disney Brit Bite Size next week is the full Disney Brit show uh, what we are going to be doing though is slightly different because Alan's away it's going to be me and we're going to get some of you guys to come and join us if you're interested we're going to do an extended uh, ultimate disney attraction for walt disney world and we're going to be discussing the pairs of attractions that we've got there we've got eight pairs which are up on the facebook page if you go over there if you've not done it yet it's facebook.com forward slash disney brit podcast you can um go and uh, vote for those now and then on the next show we will reveal which show which attractions you put through and which attractions you've got rid of as well so that will be going on uh, over the next week or so to do check that out of course you can also follow us on twitter which is twitter.com forward slash Disney Brit or you can just go to at Disney Brit if you're on Twitter already and you can follow us over there and join any of the conversations that go on over there as well um, we also have have I missed anything no I don't think I have missed anything because we don't need to announce any of the Tomorrow's Child stuff because we're doing a slightly different show so I think that's about everything isn't it yeah, have I missed anything no, sounds good. That's all right then. Well, I will be back in a week with some friends to talk a little bit about Disney's Ultimate Attraction. Alan, on the other hand, will be back the week after. I believe. If you're lucky. If you the week after. Um, to uh, join us again after he's been on his Florida holiday. and his I'm going to cruise. Florida, you know. You're going to Florida, are you? Yeah. I don't actually, care. I'm not. I'm going to Walt Disney World. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not going to, I'm actually going to America. I'm just going to Walt Disney World. Right, well, have fun. I will. Enjoy. I will. Whatever. Right. See you next week.